Yeah, Man of Sorrows. The ones that they really know on how to sing, like a lot of the time their singing will, you know, like override the tempo. So that's something that you got we gotta try to pay attention to. Definitely this is a good song, man. Have you have you played this one before? Yeah, that's cool. Dead in my sin, lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began, that is that's what I'm playing. When death was Death in his grave. Oh, yeah. What you were just playing there sounded good. When death was arrested and my life began, 
was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my open heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet and my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested. Shaker on that. 
uh, try to on Friday on Sunday Oh, every, every other part, do exactly how you did it. Just that last part, I want it to be like a really backed out, mostly. But that sounded great, dude. You learned this music at 10.30 last night? <laughs> this morning? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> when I was playing today, I'm like, I didn't know you were up at like, like I, I, I saw your text, I was like, holy, oh, I, I didn't even expect you to be strong. I'm glad you saw it and everything. But no, that, that sounds really good. No, the, um. Yeah, that's me too, dude. <laughs> I there was a yeah, yeah. Well, there was a there was a period of my life where I was, you know, out until one o'clock in the morning for a while. You know, when I was in college, and now that I'm going to school or going to school and working still, I don't have energy, man. Like I need to be asleep. Without that, that's just there as like a backup, like yeah. like yeah. training wheels. Oh, well, there was someone pitching it here before, and I don't quite know the song that well. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I noticed you didn't switch over to the shaker on the chorus until like the second part. I'll kind of give you a little nod for like when we have the transition. This morning, <coughs> we're going to finish looking at um, the series that we've been going through of, of Lent. If you would turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Matthew 28, let's look together as, as we read God's Word. I'm going to be reading Matthew 28, 1 uh, through 15. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers go to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money, and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you once again for resurrecting, for rising from the dead. Only you, O oh Lord could conquer sin and death. And now, Lord, as we, we look at Matthew 28, I pray that you would help our hearts and our minds to 
understand your great love, the depth of your love for us. That you would help us to understand and believe and our faith would be strengthened in you. Lord God, I pray for all those distractions out there, the worldly distractions, the the Easter meals and everything else that's going on around us, Lord, that you would help us to put that aside and to focus our attention on you. Lord, that as we study your word, Lord, that this would be about you and not about us. We thank you, God, that we can come and we can worship you freely, that we can study your word freely. And Lord, I think of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka uh, who woke up and, and went to church uh, on Easter and were attacked, Lord, and hundreds have been killed. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters there. We pray that you would minister to their hearts as many of them are grieving the loss of family members. Lord, I pray for the church universal that we would come alongside of our brothers and sisters in this time of suffering. And God, we thank you that, that even you are, you are Lord over suffering. And so we come before you, and we beseech you on their behalf, Lord, that you would comfort them uh, today. And Lord, we pray the same for us here, that you would comfort us as well, that you would go before us today. Father God, I pray that as I, I share your word, that only truth would come out of my mouth. And Lord, if there's anything that I say that is inaccurate or not true, that you would give people your dull ears to that. But Father, I pray that you would open our ears and our minds uh, to what you want us to hear this morning. It's in Christ's name. Amen. So if reading this, this chapter in Matthew 28, you might uh, notice that it's, it's kind of shorter uh, than some of the other Gospels. In fact, uh, Matthew's gospel could be argued as, as being one of the shortest accounts of the resurrection. And why? what's the reason for this? Well, the reason is that Matthew was writing to a specific people. He was writing to Jews. And he wanted to show uh, how Christ was the fulfillment of Scripture. And so there are certain details not recorded in this account that is recorded and the other accounts. But then there's some things that, that Matthew does bring in uh, to this account that you won't find in the other Gospels. Uh, for instance, one of the things in the other Gospels that you don't uh, find here in Matthew is, is why were these women coming to the tomb in the first place? Uh, they were coming to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, and then you might find, you'll see here in Matthew 28, uh, the angel sitting on the, on the stone that was rolled away where it's not recorded like that in the other Gospels. And Matthew's point here is that he wants to show that the tomb is empty, showing the fulfillment of Scripture. But it's really important as we, as we study uh, and look at the resurrection, that we look, uh, and we're not going to do it all this morning, uh, but that you look at the accounts in the other Gospels so that you can understand and get the full picture of everything that was happening. <clears throat> What we do know uh, from looking at Matthew and the other Gospels is that the, the ladies that came and the disciples, they are heartbroken, right? They are so, they are sad uh, that their Messiah, the person that they have put their faith and trust in, has died. They have witnessed the crucifixion of Christ just several days before, and their faith has been shaken. And Unlike Abraham, uh, right, in the Old Testament, who, when, when God told him to go sacrifice Isaac, Abraham's faith, he, he knew God's promise. He believed in God's promise, and he believed that if Abraham, if he had to sacrifice his son, that God was going to raise his son from the dead. The disciples, the ladies here, they didn't, they didn't believe this. They didn't realize this. And so uh, they come to the tomb shaken, sad. They, their, their view of what was everything, the events and everything that was transpiring was a little off, right? Their theology wasn't quite there. If, you, if you've read the book, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, even as a grown-up, I continue to read this book. 
I, I might have it memorized, but uh, when, <clears throat> if, if you remember, and if you don't realize this, Aslan is actually a representation of Christ. The C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, so Aslan is killed, right, by the white witch, and he's laying on the stone table. Susan and Lucy are there, and they witness this, this horrific ordeal of what has happened to Aslan. And after the white witch and all the, the evil uh, creatures leave, they come up to the, to the slab where Aslan is laying there, and they see him dead. And, and they're just weeping. They're so sad that their hero is dead. The person that they had put all their faith and trust in is dead. And now they don't even know what's going to happen next. They turn their backs. The dawn comes up, and they hear this loud crack. They turn around, and Aslan is gone. And they rush over to the, to the stone, and they say, more magic? And they hear behind them, yes, more magic. And they turn around, and they see Aslan. Aslan is alive, and they are ecstatic. And, and they're like, how, how can this be? How can this be? How can you come back to life after you've been dead? We saw you die. And Aslan responds to them that if <clears throat> there is a magic that goes back deeper still, and that if you had known this, if the white witch had known this, then she would have known that, that when somebody innocent gives their life for somebody else, that the stone table will crack and actually uh, re, uh, time will reverse itself. The, the girls, Susan and Lucy, prior to this, they didn't understand, right? They, they believed in Aslan, but they didn't quite understand. They didn't grasp the full picture. And so when they saw him dead, they thought he was dead, and they thought that was it. Much like that, this is the ladies coming to the tomb, right? They think their Savior, their Messiah, is dead. These, the disciples, the ladies, as they realize that their, their Messiah is dead, their faith is weakened. Their faith is, 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 uh, is, they're struggling in their faith. However, their faith is not in vain. And that we will see that because our faith is not in vain, that, that we are actually able to worship the Lord. And we have great hope in the Lord. As we read earlier, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You know, if we don't believe in the resurrection, then why, why even bother coming to church on Sunday? The truth of the matter is that the resurrection that we are going to look at is the centrality of Christianity. And there are churches out there, actually, that do not. They're, they're false churches, but they claim to be true churches that do not believe in the resurrection. They deny the resurrection actually happened. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. Our entire faith is rooted in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So this morning, I want to look at two things specifically. One is because our faith is not in vain. Our faith is an act of worship. And two, because our faith is not in vain, our faith is not hollow. Give me a drink. So let's, let's begin. Let's unpack this, Matthew 28, together. Uh, because our faith is not in vain, our faith is an act of worship. Look at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So who is this other Mary? We're told in the other Gospels that this Mary, other Mary, is the mother of James. And why were they going to the tomb in the first place? I already mentioned, they're going to anoint the body of Jesus with, with perfumes and oils. As they, they came to the tomb, as we see here in verse 1, they went to the tomb. They were expecting 
to see Jesus laying on a cold, a cold slab, dead. Their faith was a little off. If they understood earlier what Jesus had said, they would have known that Jesus would not be there, right? Remember back in John 4, uh, when John is talking to the Samaritan woman, he tells the Samaritan, I'm sorry, not at this point. Uh, in John, he says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it. The women, the disciples, they didn't understand what Jesus meant by this, but this is what he was referring to. And so they didn't quite fully understand. And so when they went to the tomb, they expected to see Jesus' body laying there. Their ideas uh, and what they believed, they were, they were not straight. They were skewed. So some of you might know this, some not. But this past week, my boys and I were able to go camping uh, down in the Florida Keys. And it's, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. As we, uh, about a month ago, I was looking for a place to camp, and there was nothing available, uh, nothing. And so uh, the place I could find a camp, though, was in the Everglades because, you know, people don't want to camp with the alligators and crocodiles and snakes and all that stuff, mosquitoes. Uh, so, but the idea was to get as close to the Keys as possible. So we were going to camp in the, in the Everglades and then drive to the Keys and it was going to take about two hours. So we were willing to do this. Um, but then just a couple days before we were going to go, I looked online, and there was a campsite available. It had come available. And so we were able to book that and actually go camping in the Keys. Now, just the night before we were going to leave, I had been checking the weather all along. You know, I was super excited about this trip. And it wasn't supposed to rain. And I checked just one more time, and, and I'd forgotten about the wind factor. You know, there's many things that go into weather, right? Not just rain, but other things. And it wasn't supposed to rain, but it's supposed to be extremely windy. And so I, I saw this you know, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. The time, whole timer is going to be down there. Uh, and that's not good for us because we have a, a little canoe. And our idea was to go fishing out of this canoe. Uh, in the Gulf and in the Atlantic, and um, you know, I'm I'm brave, but I might not be that brave. It just it wasn't a good idea, and so my my hopes, my dreams seemed to come to a crashing halt. Uh, and in fact, I even thought about canceling our trip, going down there. We went down anyways, and we had a wonderful time, um, great time. We caught all kinds of fish. God. Uh, just allowed us to have a, a wonderful time together. And in fact, um, you know, I had all these ideas in my head of the kinds of fish I wanted to catch, and uh, we were able to catch some of them. And, but then I realized that, you know, my, my ideas were, were off. You know, I felt this great disappointment in my heart because I had envisioned all this fun of fishing and I neglected to realize that, you know, it doesn't matter if I get to go fishing or not. I'm going to just spend time with my boys. That should be all I need, right? And so my, my, ideas, my ideas were off. And then, but, but God realigned them, you know? He, he showed me, like, this, this is why you're here. This is what you're here to do is to spend time with your sons. It doesn't matter if you catch fish or not or what the weather's like. And... <clears throat> Here, we have the same thing happening, that the ladies are coming, right? And their uh, ideas, they're slightly off. And then they see the Lord, he has risen from the dead. Look with me at verses 5 uh, through, through 8. In verse 5, the ladies, they come to the tomb, right? They see the stone has been rolled away. They see the angel sitting on the, on the stone. And the angel says to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. This statement right here shows us. The women expected Jesus to be dead. The disciples thought he was dead. Thousands of people saw Jesus crucified. 
And the angel is stating it one more time for us. Jesus was crucified. We heard last week just the, how horrific a crucifixion is. There's no way that somebody can survive a crucifixion. Jesus is dead. And then the angel says, He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. This is the centrality of the gospel. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. But the ladies, they don't have to just take the angel's words. Because in the next verse, they see Jesus, don't they? Look with me at verses 8 and 9. So they departed from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. They came and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. If you're familiar with the other accounts in the, in the other Gospels, uh, you read that Mary Magdalene, at another point, that she, she sees Christ and she clings to him. And Christ says to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. This is in John twenty seventeen. The difference between what's happening right here and in the other account in John is that Jesus wants, needs to correct Mary Magdalene and showing her that he is to be worshipped everywhere. If you think back to John 4, 21, uh, when Jesus is meeting with a Samaritan woman, uh, Jesus says to her, The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, will you worship the Father. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And so this is, what we read right here is slightly different than what we read in John because they're actually parallel accounts, two different things that are happening. Which is one of the reasons why I encourage all of us uh, to go and read the different accounts in the, in the four Gospels. But we see the ladies here that they bow down they, they grab hold of his feet, they bow down, and they worship him. John Piper says, uh, wrote in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, uh, he says that missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions is telling people about the resurrection of the Lord. And it begins with worship. And we see the first response of these ladies is to worship the Lord. In fact, they don't just bow down, but they take hold of his feet. And so my question to us this morning is, what is our response to the risen Lord? Is it worship? Do we respond with worship? Or is our response just a mere head belief or knowledge that, that Christ has risen from the dead? Do you actively worship the Lord in all areas of your life? Is, is your life an act of worship? As we see these ladies, they are worshiping the Lord. I think that for those who, who really struggle in presenting their whole self as an act of spiritual worship to the Lord, is that they don't grasp the love and the significance of the resurrection, of what it means. You know, we heard last week the great torment that Christ went through uh, on the cross, uh, both physically and spiritually. But if it just ended there, if Christ only died, then his mission was a failure. The Father was a failure. The Father's love for us was in vain, and that he accomplished nothing. But Christ accomplished everything because Christ rose from the dead. He defeated death. He rose again from the grave. He conquered sin and death, something that you and I could never do. And he did it because he loves us. He loves us. Christ would literally and did go to hell for you. Now I ask you again, what is your worship like? 
do you offer up your whole life as a sacrifice to the Lord? Now, there are two kinds of worship, right? There, there is a corporate worship that we see when we come together and worship, right? And then there's the second kinds of worship where it's the individual worship. That uh, this is when our lives are an act of worship to the Lord. On a side note, though, when it comes to worship, we need to ask ourselves, is our, is our worship to the Lord, is it about us or is it about him? And many times it's so easy, right, to, to look at ourselves uh, that we, we begin, we twist and we begin worshiping ourselves, right? We're not worshiping the creator, but we're worshiping the created. And so as we even, as we come together to worship corporately, it's good to think through of, as we worship, is, is my focus on Christ or is my focus on man? We see that these ladies' response as they come and they, they bow down and they worship him. The response to the risen Lord is worship because their faith in him is real. It is real. They can, they can touch Christ. They can touch him. He is physically risen from the dead. And because their faith is real, it is not in vain. And in Christ, our faith is not hollow either. Which brings us to our next point. Because our faith is not in vain, our faith in Christ is not ho hollow. Look with me, verses 15, or 11 through 15. While they, were going, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night, and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. From this point forward, we see two kinds of people in the world. Two kinds of people in the world from this point on. There are those who believe in the resurrection, and there are those who do not. The guards were witness to the stone being rolled away. They saw the angels. Verse 4 says, The guards trembled and became like dead men. And so this is what they would have reported to the elders in council. And the elders in council, having heard this, they refused to believe. They believed that they refused to believe. Either Jesus rose from the dead or his body was stolen. They heard the account from the soldiers. Even if they did believe that he rose from the dead, they refused to believe in him. The elders, the council, they were afraid that word would get out that Jesus had risen from the dead. And all the work, everything that they had tried to do, to, to, right, to see Christ crucified, to be dead, they tried to stamp out this, this thing that was happening that the followers of Christ, they wanted to, to eradicate Christ completely. This all would be ruined if word got out that he had risen from the dead. And so they told the soldiers, you know, go and, and spread the word that, that the disciples came and stole his body during the night. They tried to end it there, but we know, right, we're here today because they couldn't. They couldn't stop God. Pending. Isn't it interesting today that uh, what people believe about Jesus, <clears throat> nobody can deny the existence of Christ, that Jesus walked among us. I mean, people can deny it, but they're wrong, right? We know they're wrong. But even non-Christians, millions of non-Christians acknowledge and believe that Jesus was a person that walked among us. Even many of these people believe that Jesus was crucified. One of the claims of Muslims, in fact, is that uh, they believe, of course, in Jesus. But they believe that either the person on the cross wasn't Jesus, or that Jesus, when, while he was on the cross, didn't actually die. Uh, he swooned. 
which after, you know, looking at the passage last week, you, that's absurd, right? You can't be crucified and not, and not die. And then the other thing is that they say is that, well, his followers came and stole his body. And this is, this is something that continues on today. Uh, even uh, as we read in verse 15 that um, Matthew says that this spread among the Jews uh, to this day. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says that Jesus, he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Now, if we were just going to look at historical evidence of Christ, then there is absolutely no way that we could deny the resurrection. It's amazing how if you go to court today that you only need one, maybe two credible witnesses. That's enough uh, to condemn somebody or to set them free. We have over 500 people that saw the, risen re- the, the resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ, after he had died. Over 500 people. That's a lot of proof of the resurrection. But knowing about the resurrection, knowing that Christ rose from the dead, even non-believers believe in the resurrection. There are non-believers that believe in the resurrection. Uh, We knew many of them in Thailand. That's not enough to save you. Knowing something no, uh, uh, knowing is not the same as believing. We have to put our faith and cr- trust in Christ alone for our salvation. Our hearts have been transformed by the, by the power of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit, when we put our faith and, and trust in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes, Right? He enables us to believe in the Lord. He takes our hearts of stone and he gives us a heart of of flesh and he enables us to believe in the Lord. This is saving faith. This is not just mere head knowledge that Jesus existed, right? That's the difference between, so to speak, between us and them. We don't know if the guards at the tomb put their faith and trust in Christ But we do know that the elders and the council did not. And let's not make light of this when that's somebody who does not put their faith and trust in the Lord. Those who do not believe do not receive eternal life. Christ is very clear about this. People put their faith and trust in all kinds of things. The guards... The, the elders, they had this opportunity to put their faith and trust in the Lord. And said they put their faith and trust in other things. We as Christians, many times, we do the same thing, though. We are believers. We do believe in Christ. But we put our faith, our trust in other things. And I don't know about you, but I know about me that many times... It's so easy to start putting my faith and my trust in something else other than Christ. And I begin to to doubt uh, his promises. I begin to doubt who he is and, and who he says he is and what he has done. And so a question I have is, is, do you put your faith in something else at times? And when you put your faith in something else at times other than Christ, are you disappointed with the outcome? It brings, this happens, and it brings disappointment because only true joy comes from Christ and can be found in Christ. I can promise you that when you put your faith in Christ, when you trust in Christ, Christ will not disappoint you. The, you might be thinking, that's that's absurd because I, I experience disappointment all the time. The disciples, the ladies, when they went to the tomb, right, they, were, they felt disappointment prior to going to the tomb. 
And my response is that when, this, when you're feeling this disappointment, that actually your, your focus is, is off slightly. I'm not saying that you're, you're not a believer, but that our, our vision, our focus on Christ is skewed. And that is why we have trouble. That is why we feel disappointment, because we're putting our hopes and our dreams in something else. But Christ does not disappoint. Sometimes when you're really struggling with the circumstances around you, uh, doubt begins to creep into your mind. Uh, sometimes uh, when you're not feeling the love, you're not feeling love, uh, you begin to doubt, does Christ really love me? Did he really die for me? Did he really rise again from the grave? And these are, these are real thoughts that we Christians have, right? One of the things that has, that has helped me um, is to look, to think logically and to look. I begin with, okay, well, I know, I know that Christ existed, right? This is real. This happened. And then I can look at, at 1 Corinthians and, and where Paul says that over 500 people saw him rise from the dead. And so even I tend to be a very logical person and, and just thinking logically, I think, well, okay, uh, Christ, is, Christ is real and he has risen. Paul says that hundreds of people have seen him. Now, that's not the only thing that helps you when you're having doubt. We have something else, don't we? We have the spirit of the Lord that lives inside us as believers, right? The spirit of the Lord testifies to our spirit that Christ is real. Today, when you go home after church, what will you remember about this morning? What will you remember about the resurrection? Later this week, what will you remember about today? I pray that you remember that your faith is not in vain because you believe in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. That you remember that Jesus Christ conquered sin and death because he loves you. When you go about your day today and later this week, will you remember that your faith is an act of worship? That your lives are an act of worship? Will you worship Christ in all areas of your life? And lastly, remember that your faith is not hollow. Christ is true. Christ is true. And we don't believe in some myth. Christ isn't a myth. He's real. And he lives inside of us. Christ, who is fully God and fully man, he was here and he walked among us. He suffered and died and he rose again from the grave. He has conquered death on our behalf. And we have hope and the future no matter what we may go through in this life. And we have joy, do we not, as Christians? We have joy because we worship a risen king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for being real, real in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you that when we go through trials and tribulations that you have not left us alone, but you are right here with us. Thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us your word, that we can see truth as we open your scriptures and we see evidence continuously of who you are and what you have done. Lord, I pray that the resurrection, your resurrection, would drive us to worship you, to give you praise and glory and honor. As we move now, Lord, into, into remembering what you have instituted, the Lord's Supper, that our faith would be strengthened in you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.